This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Hi everyone, welcome to Two Spooko Didn't Watch crossover episode. I am Emily and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy and I like watching scary movies. Uh, I'm Peach and I am very much too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Shag and I'm a massive fan of scary movies. (laughs) Oh, we nailed that. Yeah, <laughs> an even 50-50 split. <laughs> yes, although I should say I think I'm now in the minority because uh, M does occasionally watch scary movies. M fresh That's out of The Conjuring true. Three. How are you feeling? Any nightmares? No nightmares. It not, it has not stuck with me at all. Um, <laughs> so maybe I'm incredibly brave, and I'm really sorry to leave you behind, Peach. But um, I did hear that it wasn't as scary as it as it could have been. Also, like. I don't worry that there's a demon trapped in me. So that's not really going to stick with me unless, you know, some spooky shit starts happening in my apartment. But for now, sure, not scared. I feel like the moment they bring in, like, the Bible, it stops being scary. That's my thing. My thing is, why are demons only afraid of Christianity? There are so many other religions. There are, like, why? That is truly the catch that gets me every fucking time. It's like, it only matters if you're Catholic? That's insane. Uh, Shag was telling me that, that The Exorcist in the 70s was essentially a priest recruiting movie that, that it sort of worked. I was like, hey, become a priest and you get some magic powers. They're going to help you fight demons. This is a true story. You would think the Vatican would have been against The Exorcist, but they were actually pro it because they saw a massive uptick in people wanting to join the priesthood because it basically, and the same way that The Conjuring does, it basically pits priests as these superheroes that understand the demonic world and for some reason are the only thing things the demons are afraid of like you said <laughs> the fact that i love these movies <laughs> yeah. Actually, point, if you're a priest you watch these movies and you're like fuck yeah yeah, yeah it's me this is my <laughs> avengers man hell yeah 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 it's like me watching wonder woman I'm like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i could do that yeah i'm finally represented on screen well-educated white men are like oh fuck them finally there's a film for us <laughs> All right, well, look, I would like to start talking about the film we want to do today purely because it didn't have a Wikipedia synopsis, so I had to write one. And even though the film goes for 80 minutes, like all good horror films should, my synopsis runs for five pages. So I hope we can get through it in this episode. (laughs) It's so hard. It's very hard to gauge how long the retelling is going to take, and sometimes it is longer than the actual film. So, But we'll do our best to, to speed. I didn't take any notes, so maybe I'll speed us up. Sammy, as an editing professional, can I, can I just ask before we get into it, yep. 
we've sort of come to a view that somewhere between 85 and 90 minutes is the perfect length for a film. Um, look, editing is your profession. Is there something magic in that number? Are you always aiming for like a real neat 86 minutes credits roll sort of sort of scenario? Um, well, for if it's a made-for-TV movie, there's like an action. It has to be that length because of the commercial breaks. So it needs to be, I think it's... Um, 84 minutes, but you know, nowadays nothing's really made for TV anymore. It's all on Netflix, but yeah, that does still seem to be the sweet spot. I'd say. So today's film is in that weird limbo that I think only exists. And I- I'm putting this out there cause I was thinking about this today. This only exists for two genres, which is both horror and indie comedies with up and coming social media stars in that they get a big buzz at film festivals and then they just completely disappear until you see them on a streaming service. Yep. Could I get an example of one film that is, <laughs> that is, is an indie comedy with an up and coming social media star? <laughs> that one with Claudia O'Doherty where they're ghost hunters in Scotland and then it turns out, I look... I don't know who's Claudia O'Doherty. <laughs> but this is my point. Like, this movie was nowhere because it wasn't a Marvel movie, so it didn't exist. Anyway, so um, this this is a very, very much, like, growing to be, like, a bit of a sort of cult Australian horror. Sammy, I've got to ask, because I'm interested in this. I put this to the group in an email. You know, I suggested a couple of films, and one of them, I suggested this film, because I was like, I think this is maybe the goriest thing I've ever seen. And straight away, you were like, yes, let's do that one. Bring on the gore. <laughs> Tell me about that response. Um, I feel like we actually don't do a lot of gory movies on our podcast. So I just felt like, why not switch it up? And I actually do like gore um, uh, for the most part. There's some that's a little excessive and this one you know wasn't my favorite (laughs) but um i i was just curious i had when something is the goriest i gotta know what that means i think that's kind of the point i wanted to get to if i hear if somebody you know i heard about this film from people reviewing it at i think the sydney film festival and saying that the the gore was over the top and some of the most brutal you know, practical effects. So not special effects, like not digital effects, but practical effects they'd ever seen. And as soon as I read that review, something inside of me said, you're going to see this at some point. And I was even a bit scared to see it. But part of me was like, you have to see what that looks like. I love that you're like the Marty McFly of watching horror films. It's like, Shag, you'll be too scared to watch this. And you're like, no, too scared, hey? I'll go watch that horror film. It's the thing we've been trying to get to in the past couple of episodes of Spooko where as like a horror fan, it's not like I want to see gore, but there's something inside of me that's like, I want to see how far they're going to push it. Like, I want to see how far they're going to go. And to Sammy's point, in this film, like, and it's a it's a cheaply made film. Like I said, they're practical effects, so it's probably just paper mache and a lot of <laughs> jars of raspberry jam. I don't know how they make horror effects now, but the effects are insane. So, so today, like I said, we're doing a film from 2019, an Australian horror film called The Furies. Ooh, heck yeah. It's a game. 
There's only one way out. Win. It's like I'm seeing through their eyes. They've put these in our heads. I, I think that they're watching. I'm, look, I just saw both Peach's and M's reaction to the trailer, and I, I, and also hearing Sammy be like, "It's not my fault." I'm like, I feel kind of bad. This is the first time, maybe since we did the Human Centipede, that I'm like, I feel bad about bringing this to the pod. Uh, I'm the opposite. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what you've done to me, but I'm like, cut those fingers off. Let's go, let's go. So I don't know if you guys primed me for some gore with that earlier chat, but I'm ready. Let's do it. Gore is still tough for me, but there, it like that trailer. I, it got, it made me wonder. I mean, I guess I don't watch, I don't watch a lot of gore film trailers, like because like, we don't do them out on the pod even. But like, are they allowed to show more in Australian trailers? Because that was gnarly. <laughs> things you know because and and this is something i'm starting to realize as we do this podcast that there is this great love in the horror genre of practical effects and that's just using like arts and craft basically to do things rather than using digital effects you guys both work in film surely you watch a trailer like this and you're like oh that's just two sausages and some tomato sauce (laughs) um i mean there's some movies that definitely what was it it was night of the living dead i mean now it's an old film but it's like so clearly sausages that it really makes me laugh no this was i felt like this looked pretty good there were a few parts that looked a little less good but for the most part it, it got me it felt, felt and feeling. for me it it's gross. like it's still gross yeah like it looks gross whatever it is it looks gross like i don't, I don't want to see it oh man so all right let's let's talk about the furies because mm-hmm. just a couple of interesting things about this film mm. before we go into it written and directed by a first-time australian director called tony d'aquino uh his name's spelt in the same way peach as yours is with a d apostrophe a which i think probably means he has a lot of trouble anytime he has to enter his name into a form online and they don't allow yeah. apostrophes yeah, I use I use my wife's name to like order takeaway food and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, done. It's good. It works well. Does it show up with like a um, bunch of like symbol like asterisk at sign? Like it just like you yeah, totally, yeah. yeah, you get it sometimes. It's good. <laughs> But I, like this might have been a first-time director of the film. I think it was also a first-time trailer producer because that trailer just gave away the entire plot of the film. I'm like, yep, cool, I've now seen the film. It, to be fair, it doesn't. And one of the reasons oh. I wanted to do this, I think it's actually an interesting story. And it comes from the fact that the director, like a lot of you know, first-time horror directors, are just massive fans of horror cinema. So it feels like now every new horror film is a homage to horror as a genre and this is definitely that right so he was a big fan of the whole final girl trope and he was like okay well what if i had heaps of final girls Mm -hmm. and heaps of michael myers chasing after them and we put them all together what Mm -hmm. would happen and like leatherface too it reminds me of like very texas chainsaw so so what's interesting about that is and and we'll try to speak to them as we go through all of those big killers that we'll talk about in this film each one is an homage to a different horror film. Mm. So, so there's a Leatherface. Yeah. There's a there's one. There's some classic ones. There's like Motel Hell or some someone I don't understand from the seventies that I'm not deep enough into horror to get. But there's all of these different montages all the way through. And I think the other thing that I quite like about this film is, especially when you watch eighty slashes, 
there's this really uncomfortable like sexualization of everything. Like there's a lot of sort of like nudity and a lot of nude slashed bodies. And mm-hmm. in this film, he's like, I wanted to like take that out, like right down to the costumes. I wanted it to just look like the women in this are just looking like they're wearing normal clothes. Yeah. Which which I think it like gives it this interesting tone that is quite starkly different to like often when people try to do homages to like 80 slashes. Yeah, the main actress is in just like a, a bulky sweater and she was great, I thought. I thought she was really good. Um, hopefully this movie avoids the like meta risk of like, I feel like it's too easy to be like just winking and nodding to influences for an entire film and then it turns out you're watching Shrek, but the horror, but the horror movie version, <laughs> like... I'm I'm sort of on alert for an uber meta sort of film that kind of just ends up eating itself with its own self-referentialness. It's not that, but I will say that at the moment, you know, in the ad world, like the Khan thing's on, and I work with a couple of people who judge Khan stuff, and they sort of led us into a couple of case studies where it's like they start really promisingly, like the, the big, the worst thing, they start really promisingly and they don't know what to do with it. This film is one of those ones where I'm like, wow, if someone who was a little bit more seasoned remade it, it could be an amazing like mini series or something. Like the, I feel like there's a lot of meat to this. And, like Sam, I don't know what you thought. Like what were your thoughts about this before we go into it? Um, I, I mean, was just mostly very grossed out. <laughs> but no, I agree. It was like a fun kind of mystery, uh, had a good mystery element to it, which I like. Um, where you're kind of trying to figure it out as it goes. And yeah, I'm now I'm thinking more about what I may have missed in the references. And I always think that's kind of fun of like when you can rewatch something and see something you didn't catch the first time. There must be some Hills Have Eyes references in there too. Felt like maybe Saw, like the thing about like, it's a game, you have to figure it out. Like that that was reminiscent mm-hmm. to me of that. I'm a, like, uh, to be honest, like one of my favorite horror subgenres is the deadliest game where humans are hunted for some reason i'm i'm very uh, attracted to that genre i think it's really fun Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. right okay let's see if we can get through this Mm -hmm. it starts on like proper spooky titles this is another question i think is really interesting yellow for some reason its titles is scary like it's a bold yellow title and i'm like i'm on edge straight away it's from (laughs) probably from isn't the shining yellow i feel like the shining poster is yellow but also i recognize this font and it's gonna drive me crazy forever so if anybody out there knows what uh, what other movie this font was used in please tell me (laughs) create your own font don't just take a font from word and put it in there like i know like just take one tweak it like it, it, yeah, anyway, anyway, that is that is my design brain uh, working. Uh, like, to be fair, everyone's an amateur typographer now. Like, lawyers are like, oh, did you, you know, invest in some new, like, custom fonts for your firm and stuff? Like, it's it's really fucked. But, it, like, isn't, isn't, isn't the rule that yellow is for horror and lime green is for aliens and sort of you're being coded with, like, hey, guys, got some horror coming up for you. It's yellow. That's the rule. Mm-hmm. And then blues for superhero and reds for like thriller. I've never heard this rule. I was. I like it. I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I'm making I it up it. as I go, but uh, especially those last two that I. I'm going to be on the lookout though. I'm be on high alert. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, now I'm like, what's but what's like a gentle like tragedy comedy starring Ben Affleck's brother? Like, what's that? Like, what black you, and white? Uh, whatever that Instagram filter that was famous. It was six years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Anyway, okay, all right. The film starts with like that 
I don't know who started it. I don't know if, if Sammy, you know where the original Christopher Nolan. Boom. I think it was. I think. I mean, it certainly was popularized by Inception. So it starts with one of those because every movie has to now to let you know that you're in for some shit. Uh, and we see a scared woman in, again, in like just regular clothes. But it's, it, it's weird because it's in the middle of the bush. And this is proper, this is bushland. It was shot outside of Canberra, which is the Australian national capital, if you don't know, which is a very stark, dry, weird part of the world where it gets really hot in summer and really cold in winter. And this bush, it looks like dead bushland. There doesn't look like there's any grass on the ground. The trees look mostly dead. I wonder if it was shot in a bushland that had been ravaged by bushfires at some point. That's the vibe I get from mm-hmm. it. The Wikipedia page would have helped, but uh, yeah, there's makes none, life tough. I know, there's none. That's it. And That's IMDb difficult. is impossible to, like, its UI is terrible. So we see a scared woman in normal clothes running through, chased by a scary figure with a scythe, like a proper, like, Grim Reaper scythe. She collapses to the ground with a gross leg wound and we get like a really close look at the gross leg wound just so we know straight from the start we're going to see gore. Foreshadowing, I'm about it. Now, scary guy. Now, he's wearing a big jumpsuit and he's wearing a scary mask. He's about to kill her when another spooky guy out of nowhere in another jumpsuit and in a different spooky mask appears out of nowhere, wrestles with him, grabs the scythe and disembowels him. And it's that classic horror movie thing where someone's just clutching their stomach and then they open it a bit and then some like hoses come. I don't some know hoses. how you move intestines, but you know what I mean? Yeah, this is the sausage. Some lingo. hoses covered in raspberry jam. <laughs> we then cut to the disemboweled guy's viewpoint as an homage to, I think, Halloween when we see through Michael Myers' sort of eyes. And we, we watch the guy pick up the girl and carry her off like a sort of damsel in distress, which is a weird way to start, right? And straight away goes, okay, this isn't going to be exactly what you think it is. Uh, We then go to the real titles that uses old school computer graphics, hinting at the idea that this is some sort of a game and someone's watching us. What was it called? The House on the Hill? The the Joss Whedon one? Cabin Cabin in the Woods. woods. Yep. Yeah, that's that's where my head's at here. Your head's in the right place then. Yeah, okay, let's do it. (laughs) So, so maybe it's a derivative of that as well. Fucking congratulations. <laughs> Where's an original idea? Um, Timmy Blogsy, whatever your name is. Uh, Jason D'Alba. So, D'Alpino. But, but okay, so, so the worst scene in the whole film by far is the opening scene where... That's great. You want to start off that way. <laughs> <laughs> start weak and build from there. <laughs> but it is bad because it's like in this scene, it's like how can we cram all the backstory possible into a really forced conversation between two characters. So <laughs> we're in some random Australian city in an underpass. We hear traffic in the background to be like, this is like a busiest area. And two characters are spray painting fuck patriarchy in a train underpass. Sick, let's do it. In the conversation that happens while they're spraying this motif, uh, they reveal mm. that there's two characters. There's the future hero, Kayla, who you know you've seen from the trailers and uh, is uh, to Sam's point is just wearing like a baggy jumper and 
some like crappy like day jeans, not even like going out jeans. Um, uh, but you're really going in on the wardrobe <laughs> well, no, in this film, Jack. I, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't stress enough how weird it is watching a film where people are just wearing like normal clothes. <laughs> like, like honestly, yeah, okay. this film is like if you go to a suburban Australian shopping center on not even on a Saturday, on like a Wednesday <laughs> afternoon, these are the outfits people are wearing. It's it is genuinely interesting to watch. Except for one character, and some you probably know who's kind of a bit annoying, and it's an annoying characterization. A Saturday mall person. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, so there's these two characters, Kayla's the future hero and a friend, Maddie. Now, Maddie is sick of looking after Kayla because Kayla's too scared to experience the real world. She doesn't want to spray, spray paint on the wall, which is <laughs> what really pisses Maddie off. She's what? like, come on. <laughs> Let loose, live a little. You're so scared. <laughs> and then, and then, but this is the best part. But she's too scared to do stuff because she has epilepsy. And Maddie's oh. like, stop using your epilepsy as an excuse yeah. to not live. Maddie seems like a bad <sighs> friend right off the bat. Oh, God. <laughs> epilepsy shaming as well. It's, look, it's a weird <laughs> moment. Anyway, but like I said, that's the worst scene of the film. We're done. They have a fight and both storm <laughs> off, but they're both captured by spooky men who we can't see who shove them into vans. We then cut to a sort of dreamlike sequence that only goes for like 20, 30 seconds where we're in some sort of a doctor's surgery. We see just close-ups. Is it, is, it a, is it a narrow depth of field where most things are out of focus but some things are in focus? Like we see sort of mm-hmm. like scalpels and like blood, yeah. but just a lot of it's out of focus. Yeah, we see close-ups of um, Kayla's eye and like a blood tear coming <clears throat> out of it. Ugh. Like a blood tear. Like, pff, okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> Medical horror is not oh, okay. I agree. Yeah. Worst. So Kayla wakes up inside a box in the middle of the bush with a flashing light above her. So she's inside this box, but we know it's in the middle of the bush because a big drone shot goes up and goes, this box is in the middle of nowhere. Um, and there's this flashing light above her and a high-pitched squeal that causes her intense distress. The squeal eventually stops, the box opens, and she jumps out, out of breath, scared. No one is around. Like I said before, everything looks dead. And the box has the word beauty written on it with a number. I think she's beauty number six. Six. Mm-hmm. She looks around for Maddie. But freaks out when instead of finding Maddie, she finds a corpse of one of the men and it's probably the man from the start who gets killed by the sign. Uh, so that was like Beast 3 or something. Yeah. Fucking congratulations. <laughs> <sighs> now she's screaming yeah. out for Maddie when jump scare! Uh, two girls, Alice and Sheena, confront her with a jump scare. I've just written it's confront her with the jump scare. <laughs> and, but it's that classic technique where it's like we've already seen some gore, but then it's like, well, no, it's just your friend fake being out. like, what's going on? Mm. Yeah, it's total fake out. I'm just out here spray painting some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is two different girls. So this is Alice and Sheena. Um, hand on mouth, tell her to be quiet and not to alert whoever put us here. Because Kayla's being like, help, help, Maddie. And they're like, shh, don't do it. Like there's scary people around. So they ask if she has a phone, but she's got nothing on her. At this point, Kayla's like, oh, fuck, runs back to the box, checks for something and realizes she doesn't have her epilepsy pills, which will be a plot device moving forward. Pills? Pills. Yeah, okay. At this point, she does have a fit. And 
a thing that happens when she has a fit, she starts having these glitches where all of a sudden it looks like she can see through the eyes of one of these killers. Uh, so she has a fit and she can see like through like almost like a video gamey sort of watching someone walking forward mm -hmm. and she can see that the person she's watching through is carrying an axe. She wakes up and one of the girls, Sheena, has run off and the other one, Alice, stayed with her. Kayla asks if Alice can remember anything and at this point... Each of them gets a bit of a backstory. Alice's character's revealed she was about to steal a car when she was jumped by some scary dudes. That's as much as her backstory gets. Mm -hmm. Kayla's like, do you remember an operating theatre and whether they did anything to your eyes? Alice cannot. Yeah, surely you're under a general anesthetic at this stage. Yeah, okay. I, but, but I think that's a fair thing. It's like, you know when you get out of an operation and you can kind of remember it, but it almost feels dreamlike? No, but I'd say I'll accept that as true. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> I've never been under anesthetic. So. so at this point, Kayla's like, oh, fuck, Maddie. Yes, we've got to go find Maddie. Alice says, no, like, let's not look for your friend. Let's just get out. It's kind of every person for themselves now. Kayla's like, well, why did you stay with me? And at this point, this is probably the most Australian bush thing ever. Alice uses a pigging metaphor. She's like, have you ever been pigging? And Kayla's like, obviously is protected and has never left her hometown because of her epilepsy. Is like, no, I've never been picking. And it's like, well, you, uh, you, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember. It's like, it's yeah. Basically like the concept of, I, I don't have to run the like super fast. I just have to run faster than you. Run faster than you. Yes. That's what it yeah. is. And pigging yeah, I, again, is I, hunting for pigs? Hunting for wild pigs. Yeah. Great. Welcome to the Outback. Yeah. I also have been sheltered and never left my hometown because of my <laughs> epilepsy. So I had never done that either. Um, at this point, they see Axeman, who's the person Kayla was in the head of before. So they hide behind another box and this box has beast number, etc. written on it. At this point, Kayla has another fit. Alice decides to run, leading Axeman away from Kayla. He throws the axe at her. So he takes it and like, and it's like a proper like wood axe. So he has to use two hands throws it, misses her, um, hits a tree right next to her. She takes it out, tries to attack him, but he catches it, turns it on her. <laughs> and, and, and this part, I literally just wrote here, I mean, oh my God. Um, it's that like when when uh, the killer's like trying to push the knife in your eye and you're pushing it away, that's what's happening with the axe. And she's slowly getting slowly getting axed with an axe right in her face. Uh, it's very slow. I think of an axe as being like a more blunt blade than others. Well, it's not. It's not slicing through. No, no. He is it needs pressing to be it very yeah. hard. All right. Yeah. That's so bad. this is like this is actually. I think this might be the worst thing I've ever seen in the film. And <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and is also it also does look a bit fake. Like when you're watching it, you're like, that's just a mask. At the mask. end, it looked pretty fake. In the beginning, I feel like it looked gross. But then, yeah, the further in it goes, <laughs> some funky things happen. So just to explain, like she pushes her face on the side to go away from it. So he is holding the axe to the side of her face and just slowly cuts her whole face off, revealing just like a bloody... Like it's just... And it goes for like 30 seconds. It goes long. for so long. Like it, and the camera does not pull away. And you were just like, what the fuck, right? Okay, so that, anyway, so that happens. Axeman then hears another scream and goes off in that direction. Kayla wakes up. No one is around. 
runs to Alice's body, finds her dead. This is a really interesting shot choice as well, because at this point, the camera only catches Kayla's reaction and we see from behind Alice's head. And it's like, why are you not showing it now? Like you showed us everything before. <laughs> but she's basically just like, oh fuck, this is real. So she runs and finally makes it to a clearing. And I think it's that lake outside of, you know, that giant lake outside of Canberra. I think it's called Lake Eyre that's dry off it. Like, the dry lake. Yeah, yeah the dry yeah. lake. So it's there, right? And so it's just like, it's just horizon for the, like flat land and horizon for wherever you look. She makes a run for it when she notices another one of those squealing lights. And in fact, a border of those squealing lights all the way, you know, like, you know, down the horizon that uh, makes her like collapse in agony and she has to crawl back into a sort of game area. She sits down to catch her breath when she hears a scream and there's another girl running towards her, begging for help, being chased by Axeman. Now, this is Suicide Squad, like, which we've already covered like two other times with, um, like, originality is overrated, right? Like, everything has been done before, but I do think you need to make some attempt to try to do something different. Uh, yeah, I don't I know. Love okay, how like I shouldn't immediately you hate this movie. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just not. Yeah, I'm just not there. I'm not about it. I loved the preview. The preview was great. <laughs> That's all you needed. And yeah. now this is too much. <laughs> okay, so Axeman throws the axe straight into her back. This time he hits. Uh, she stumbles, lets out like this awful scream where she's just like, "What? This is too much!" and falls. He approaches her to make the death blow, but he stops, looks at Kayla and gives this wave, like a hey there wave sort of thing, and not a scary one, like a hey. And then it's it's a weird moment. She just kind of waves back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it really made me laugh. At this point, Sammy, were you like, um, what? <laughs> I just This moment just really made me laugh. No, I was on board. No further questions. <laughs> he pulls the axe out stands above the unnamed woman prepares to kill her but then another man sickle man so this man has a sickle he's he doesn't have overalls he has like a whole suit of skin and he kind of he's a bit of a texas chainsaw this guy i have to describe him further because he's definitely the grossest one to me he is wearing a, a suit of skin like entirely on the top half like it's um like a button up well stitched up laced up skin suit but then on the bottom half it splits open and he's not wearing like the leg part of the skin but the leg skin is still there but it's just tied to his legs so there are empty skin flaps dank like tied to his legs it's so gross it's like the most disgusting costume design i've ever seen (laughs) Now, Emily, you're an, you're an artisan and a craftsperson and a costume designer. <laughs> have you true. ever worked with skin? Um, I guess is question one. I have not. No, I have not worked with skin. Um, well, leather, I guess, would be the analogy. Fun fact. Leather um, would be, yeah, I'm, I wonder if it's similar. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> On this season of The Bachelorette, one of the <laughs> contestants' job is listed as skin salesman. Well, he got Sammy not anymore because he did. He was a night one guy. So goodbye, God Jeff. <clears throat> goodbye, Jeff. Sorry, no, sorry to see you go. What, but I will tattoos, be contacting just... him. Yes, I was going to say that so you can reach out to you for your yeah. for your skin needs. Did Jeff drink too much on the first uh, the first cocktail party, or or no? He was too was weird. He was too weird. He <laughs> he brought his RV and just it was he just 
Oh, he she didn't like that he he ate celery. He ate <laughs> celery in his RV, and but it like what that that makes it sound more fun and like a character than it was. It was just like no, it didn't work. Didn't and it didn't work, yeah. and he went home. So I'm sorry, Jeff. I feel like the producers on that show are like are the most influential. Like I'm just so so glad they used their evil powers yeah. just to make interesting oh, television. The, oh, I hope I never meet one. Yep. Yeah. So I'll be like, hey, Peach, do you know what you should do? And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> I'll drive my RV. <laughs> It'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> so Skin Sickle Man, uh, you're right. Like he is absolutely gross. And I do love the fact that there was a lot of care to the top half. And then they're like, you know what? Just tie those legs. Like, <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> that was him. Yeah, getting too lazy. so they proceed to have a fight kayla takes this opportunity to rescue the girl drags her back into the woods she asks what's your name the girl says sally she says sally don't worry it's fine we'll get you out it's not far now we cut back to sickle man and axe man having a fight sickle man gets the upper hand pokes axe man's eyes out then slashes him seemingly to death kayla and sally are back into the woods sally can't keep going she has been axed in the back like, which is fair enough. My God. I was very impressed that she kept going. As I know from, from Adele in the past, like if you want to get like, if you want to get into like a horror movie, it's a lot better to be like knifed or axed than to be shot. If you're shot, you're probably going to die. Knifed or axed, it takes a lot of like cuts and stabs before, you know, it actually hits something. Sorry, I know this, but it's like you can survive an axe wound basically, which is Good crazy. to know. But you can. Good to know. Good to so, know. So... <laughs> So, so Sally asks Kayla, do you believe in magic in the Furies? Now, I didn't know who the Furies were outside of a old, I think, Irish folk band. But they're, uh, they're a trio of ancient Greek goddesses who were essentially the, the, the goddesses of uh, like retribution and revenge, I think. Hence being called. So, sorry, so what's the question? Do you, do you, do you believe that these it's, goddesses look, of retribution again, like exist? Like I said, if someone with a bit more experience had spent a bit more time on the script, I would have. This is a really. It's an interesting moment that never comes up again. Yeah. But she's like, do you believe in the Furies? And Kayla's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, may the goddesses protect you. And she like. This is back of the envelope stuff. This is. <laughs> this is I, I'm not excited about this movie. And she, I feel like that. Sorry, I'm going. Sammy, no, go. No, sorry, you go, sorry. Peach, I, I, I want to hear this. I feel like that the director and scriptwriter um, has friends who are not good friends, and <laughs> that they refuse to do him the service or give him the gift of genuine feedback. <laughs> I feel like he's surrounded by yes men who are excited to be in his universe, but do not have the courage or the genuine friendship <laughs> to sit down and say these are very interesting ideas. You need to go away and come back in six weeks having thought them through properly. That is what I would expect a friend to do. And I now pity this poor screenwriter and director for not having the group of close confidants, friends and mentors to be able to help um, her, him, them through this process. It's, uh, it's a heartbreaking story. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. <laughs> so, so Kayla hides Sally in a tree trunk. Sickle Man is now stalking through the bush and we think he's on Kayla's trail. But he's actually just found Sally. Uh. He pulls her out of the tree. He pulls her up. So she's sitting upright with her back to a tree, goes behind the tree, pulls both her arms, and then off camera, we hear him pull her arms off. Uh. It's nasty. Breaks her like a little twig. Uh. (laughs) Snaps (laughs) her. Breaks her like a little twig. 
<laughs> it's really, really gross. This, like, this film pulls no punches. So every time I'm like, oh, that's as far as they're going to go. It's like, oh, no, they went further. So we, we go back to Kayla and she hears a scream and then there's a jump scare. And this time there is a bad guy behind her. This time it's a new one. It's Pigman. He's wearing a pig mask and he's carrying a machete. They have a scuffle. She gets the upper hand and grabs the machete and she starts sort of swinging it at him. But all of a sudden he stops. We hear a whirring sound and then his head just explodes. <laughs> okay. What's this now? What is this now? <laughs> <laughs> now, now Kayla runs back to Sally. And again, I was like, oh, they're not going to show her body with her arms torn off. And maybe it was too hard to show <laughs> the arms being torn. I think that's the case. I think it was expensive. To show the arms being torn off. You just get a before and after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we then discover the corpse. And I actually think this is this might actually be worse than the face. <laughs> I, I like that each thing is just going to be like, actually, this might be the worst part. <laughs> how, but how did you feel about this shot? Because I thought it was pretty gross. I don't know that it was grosser than the axe face. Although, to be fair, the axe face looked more fake. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, this looked real. Yeah. Like, and there's just so much blood in this one. There's just like the ground was red. It was like they did not scrimp, which is which is a bit more realistic. There'd be a lot more blood in all of these things. Yep. Anyway, mm. so she keeps going machete in hand. And I wrote at this point, we are 30 minutes into the film. Like, oh, Christ. Okay. <laughs> she comes across an old town. Now, did they do this thing when you guys were in primary school? where they take you to like an old-timey mining town mm -hmm. as like a history excursion. Yep. yep. So the town she finds is basically that. It's one of those like, come and visit old-timey Australia mm -hmm. where people... And, you know, conveniently no mention of the massacres of the Aboriginal mm -hmm. people as well. It's just like, yeah. they were just white This people. is what life was like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she, she finds a map and sees there's a gold mine there. She begins to explore. She goes inside one of the shacks. She hears a sound behind her, turns around, takes a swing with her machete and accidentally slashes another girl straight in the neck, killing uh -oh. her. Uh-oh. And this moment. Pour one out for beauty number eight or whatever. Taken from The Descent. Oh, that's a, you're right. That's from The Descent. That's right. <laughs> At this Sorry. point, because that's one of your favorite films, it right? Is. Were you just like, shit, yeah, The Descent? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to, you know, borrow from other, other films, you got to throw The Descent <laughs> in there. Why not? Nice. So, but if we can just linger, Sammy, The Descent is the film that on that big horror movie weekend you had at uni that that, that got horror under your skin. You were yeah. like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. this is my this is my thing. The one yeah, that okay. the one that started it all. Yes, that's mm. right. Bloody hell! It's, it's a great film. So at this point, Sheena, you might remember, ran off at the start. She appears with another girl. They see her with blood in her hands. Kayla says, "Please stay with me." She has another fit. Sheena takes the machete for her, from her and leaves, leaving the other girl. Kayla glitches, sees the gold mine, and sees through the eyes of another scary man who's hiding her friend Maddie, and he's hiding her in a shack near the gold mine. So she's like, okay, I know where Maddie is. She wakes up to the other girl staying with her. Her character is revealed, and this character I hated so much, Rose. Sammy, do you want to explain Rose a little bit? Um, she looks like an adult woman who is acting like a 10-year-old, and is just very childlike and she seems very scared but uh, just also seems like an adult so it's like okay like we need to we're in a pretty serious situation here you need to fucking get up to speed and she's just like are we gonna be friends are you my friend and <laughs> kayla is very sweet to her and comforts her and 
you know, it looks scary because Kayla has just uh, murdered a, a woman. And she's like, that was an accident. I swear, like, I would never do that to you. And she's like, okay, Rose is like, okay, good, because we're friends, right? Like, I will never leave, leave you either. It's just, um, yeah, very interesting dynamic. Yeah, here. her one line of characterization is at one point she's like, mommy said uh, she was a better teacher than all the teachers, so I had to be homeschooled. So it's kind of homeschool shaming as well, really. Mm. I'm actually, look, and this is fairly controversial, even within like my family, I'm fairly down for some homeschool shaming. I'm, I'm about that <laughs> shaming. <laughs> I'm about that homeschool shaming. <laughs> I mean, that's how you get people who are scared of vaccinations and uh, believe in QAnon, I think. Like, I, I think personally. But anyway, so, okay, so... Uh, Kayla? It's not the sole way. Look, sorry, just to do, like it's not this. You know, there are some wonderful homeschooling parents and wonderful homeschooling children around the place. But I do think it does. If you restrict the number of influences you have on your view of the world, I think it leads to an increased likelihood that you're receptive to ideas like that. So at this point, Kayla, you know, with Rose is like, I've got an idea. And with the dead girl who she's just killed, she decides to cut out the eyeball of the dead girl to find out what's going on and discovers an implant behind it. At this point... Thank God she was right. Can you imagine being like, let's pull out her eye and then it leads to nothing? <laughs> like, okay, well, that was, a huge, that was a huge swing. I mean, look, devil's advocate... They're already dead. Yes, just for kind of sure, <laughs> for sure. I wouldn't want to take their eye out. Still gross. But but I but yes, she's not suffering. Yeah, nothing gained, nothing earned. I reckon. Um, so she discovers an implant behind it, and at this point, there are some pretty bad digital effects where there's like sparking electricity. Mm -hmm. No. It looks a bit cheap, but it looks like it looks like a like I don't I don't use it anymore, but it looks like a plugin that like you could get from like Final Cut Pro that would be like add electrical effects. Right, 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 right. Yes, it's, and it's probably that exact one. It's um, like how you can pretend you're Michael Bay by making everything look green and orange on in Final Cut. It's nice. Yeah, filters a go go. Um, okay, so we have another flashback to the operating room where this time we see a bit more clearly. There's a doctor who puts on a VR mask. And we realize then that they can see through the girl's eyes through these VR masks. We then cut to the spooky control room for a second where we see a figure from behind and uh, like 10 screens in front of him. Mm -hmm. And then at this point, we can see that there's, there's somebody watching and they're controlling and they're watching, every, they're watching through everybody's eyes, both the, the beauties and the beasts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at this point, another spooky man appears. This time it's baby face. So he's wearing like a baby mask. Mm, and he yuck. does that thing. I, I don't know how to describe it on a podcast, but you know that thing that they make scary characters do where they just slowly tilt their head on the side? Oh, yeah. Yes. I think you described it perfectly. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> where is that from? Do you know where that's from originally? I don't know, but it feels it's very like unsettling. It's been a trope for a long time. I feel like that's probably goes back quite a while. Was it originally accompanied by a wagging finger? I sort of feel like it was um, it was the villain in Terminator 2 was like a very like early one of the like the, the head tilt of the mm, 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 mm. Yeah, anyway. Could be. And it also could not be, and I could be that's totally right. wrong. So apologies for <laughs> Hey, that's our that's our vibe. We might be right, we might be wrong. 
Who knows? Who's going to say things? Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> we throw enough shit at the wall. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, anyway. So Babyface is now in in the picture. There's a bang on the door, but it's Sheena. She comes in with a machete because there's two more men coming. Kayla explains that they're being tracked via their eyes, which is actually pretty cool deductions, I reckon, in the heat of the moment, and says, why us? And then at this point, I don't know if this is meant to have like a broader societal point, but Sheena says this iconic line. She's like, because it's a fucked up world full of fucked up men. I mean, yeah. Fair. (laughs) Yep. A sickle man appears. He does a scary thing where he's dragging his sickle around the corrugated iron of the shack. Is corrugated iron as big a thing outside of Australia? I feel like everywhere in the country, it's corrugated iron everywhere. That's sort of like wavy metal that you put on roofs. I mean, um, I feel like it probably yeah, is it. out in the in the country here too. Um, but yeah, and it drags also along the windows. Ew, I hated this. The like oh, the noise, like it'll go like clack 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 uh, on the metal, and then like. Ee- on the Ugh. windows it's very intimidating and unsettling and i feel like that was really good sound design again because it's like surely that's not an easy thing to capture well right so they they used their budget that was <laughs> saved money on that final cut effect put it into the sound design. i'm coming around to this movie now there's great sound <laughs> this design is what that's I mean. good. it's like there's, there's definitely something to it anyway so he breaks in uh they're all hiding but he hears a sound he drags rose out but he conspicuously doesn't kill her because he can't see her face and she's hiding her face. Uh, The girls fight back and push him outside and close the door. They have a moment of calm. They realize that there are beauties and there are beasts and they're trying to work out why the man didn't kill Rose and they realize that all the men have to save one of the girls and if their girl dies, their head explodes. And so now the game is starting to be revealed. And I'm like, this is kind of a cool game and kind of a cool, pre- like a sort of newish premise. So they're pairs, mm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Yes, right, right. So there's that weird cool. dynamic. Uh, at this point, there's a standoff between Kayla and Sheena because Sheena thinks it's now everyone for themselves now that they know that, well, you know, once. Yeah, yeah. Sheena is, and this is, I would, I would not have gone there. This part stressed me out because I wouldn't have put this together fast enough. But Sheena, yeah, realizes <laughs> that it's easier to kill the women than it is to kill the men. And if you yep. kill a woman the man's head explodes i was just like oh fuck yeah how fucked is that because it's like you kill two people in that scenario yeah okay and so she's certain that they are gonna try to kill her that they're all gonna try to kill each other whereas kayla Mm. and rose are like oh no no, like we're not gonna do that and so sheena is just the the wild card here that they're like okay sheena's not our friend anymore So Kayla and Rose are like, fuck, okay. They make a run from it away from Sheena, who still has the machete. They hide in another building and unbeknownst to them, Babyface sees them and goes after them. Kayla convinces Rose to help her find Maddie. And when they think the coast is clear, they crawl out like a hole on the side of this building. Kayla first, Rose follows, but gets annoyingly stuck on some wire. And it kind of sucks because it's like, I don't understand how she could have possibly crawled through this largish hole. And at some point... (laughs) caught herself but then she's the baby infantile character so it kind of makes sense kayla turns back to help just as sickle man comes into the shack and starts pulling rose back out now he's obviously not going to kill rose until he can see her face so there's like a bit of a tug of war between kayla and sickle man to get rose uh meanwhile Babyface appears coming to try and kill Kayla. And Kayla's like, fuck, okay, well, I can't keep pulling you. Just hide your face and I'll come and save you. So she hides her face. 
Uh, Sickle Man pulls Rose back into the shack. She runs in. In the distraction, Rose grabs Sickle Man's sickle and cuts off his fingers, like just slices them yeah. right off. We saw that. And that now was we satisfying. get to maybe actually the grossest part of this whole film. <laughs> <laughs> So Kayla approaches Sickle Man with his weapon, but he grabs her and jams his bloody stumps into her Oh, I forgot about this part. This is for for sure the grossest part. This this is definitely the grossest part. He shoves it in her mouth, but it's as if he's trying to kill her that way, as if he's trying to like punch through her. So he puts his whole bloody stump fist in her mouth. Ew. It's so gross. Oh my God, I forgot about it. I blocked that out already. I completely forgot about that part. God. I will never forget that scene. Uh, so Rose hacks his legs. He lets go. Kayla, because it's like an old-timey, like, working town, she grabs a giant corkscrew, screws it into Sickle Man. He falls to the ground and then starts screwing it into her to finally kill Sickle Man. Mm-hmm. Babyface then shows up at the door and Kayla screams, Come on! Like, she's like she's got this thing. They're, they've just killed one of her them. Her face is covered in blood from the hand yeah. that was bleeding into her mouth. Yeah. And so she, they That's look right. like they look gnarly, and she's just like, "Fucking yeah, come on, man!" And he, ru- he runs off, cool. <laughs> 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 but not before he does another head tilt. Like he comes in and he's like head tilts, and then runs off. <laughs> so Kayla sees Sheena at this point make a run for it, chases after with with Rose because realizes that she's going for Maddie, and she doesn't want Sheena to give Matt, kill Maddie. So gives chase and confronts her. Sheena wants to kill all of the girls to survive and approaches Kayla with her weapon. Meanwhile, Babyface at this point captures Rose and Rose is like, help me, help me. But but Kayla's in a standoff with Sheena and she can't move. And so Rose is like, why aren't you helping me? And meanwhile, Babyface is like trying to stab Rose and Rose is fighting it off. Then Sheena all of a sudden now is like a dickhead and is like, Kayla, aren't you going to save Rose? Like, like what? Like, why are you now mean? But she is mean. <laughs> and at this point, there's something changes in Kayla's face and she's like, yes, I am. We cut to behind Sheena. Axeman hasn't been killed yet. Raises his axe. This is also, this was, this made me on rewatch go, oh, I totally forgot. And chops Sheena's head in half from behind. Just goes. Slices <laughs> right through <laughs> that skull. <laughs> right through that skull. Good stuff. Yeah, okay. At this point, Babyface's head explodes and Rose is now free. Kayla says to Axeman, you are my beast. And he does a whole, like, almost like a bit of a, I, it's kind of a curtsy. Like, it's a, it's a bit of a, like, Beauty like, and the nice Beast moment. It's like, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> At like, your is service. he the one that had waved to her before? <laughs> yes. Yes, oh, okay. yes, yes. And he doesn't have eyes, but he somehow made it back to her to save her. Mm. He puts a hand out as a bit like Milady. Uh, she takes his axe, swings it straight into his stomach, and he dies on the ground. Okay. At this point, Rose is angry at Kayla because she thinks she didn't help her. But they still go after Maddie. At this point, we see our final scary man, Birdman, who's got an owl face with a pitchfork watching from a distance. Which he feels- wears three Rolexes on each arm as well. But, yeah, yeah, it's Birdman. But I also think, like, it's... That's a very funny joke. That's, that's an extremely funny joke. <laughs> but I think this is a bit of a Wicker Man sort of English folk horror yeah, reference. Yeah, yeah. Like the, nice. Like the owl face and the, the pitchfork. Yeah. Anyway, there's this moment, there's another moment where I'm like, what did that mean? I don't know. Kayla, share, she's like, they can hear us and they can see us, so I'm going to share a secret with you. And she writes a secret into Rose's palm. And she's like, did you get that? And Rose is like, yeah. 
And as far as I know, they don't go into this ever again. No, it's used <laughs> once more, but it's never revealed what that means. I had the same thought of like, okay, <laughs> cool, cool trick. A real secret, a true secret. We, we re- don't know. Yeah, it's, we'll it's a little <laughs> secret. It's the fucking Pulp Fiction suitcase, which ruined a thousand art films after it. Um, but anyway, so they, they find Maddie in the shack. Maddie's like, it turns out that Maddie, who was like, you have to be braver, was the coward all along. She's like, I should have looked for you. And Rose is like, yeah, because you're a coward and not a real friend. And then Rose gets a bit jealous about like Kayla and Maddie's friendship. So she's like, tell Maddie about all the women you've killed so far. (laughs) (laughs) And then then there's this callback to the start where Maddie says something to her where she's like, break the rules or be broken. And so Kayla says to Maddie, Break the rules or be broken. Yeah, I had to kill a bunch of people, you know, some some innocent women as well. So Rose is like, okay, I'm done with your, like, making up. Where's the escape? Kayla's, like, through the mine. And Maddie's like, ah, look, there's no escape. And it turns out that the mine's been filled in. And there's this moment of, like, oh, fuck, we're not getting out. Our man then appears. Kayla's like, there's three of us. We've killed more of these dudes. We can do it. But then Kayla has another fit. Mm. So... Rose decides to slit Maddie's throat. And it's another pretty gross moment. And at this point, Owlman's head explodes. And I I wrote here, my note was, Rose is ruthless. And she really is. (laughs) So Kayla wakes up and she's being held by the now slit throat Maddie. And she just screams. Uh, Rose explains, I saved you. And what do we do now? And Kayla's like, now, what are you talking about? My best friend's dead. Like, nothing. there's nothing. Like, that's it. I'm done. Like, there's nothing. And Rose is really impatient. And she's like, what? The game's are Like, we got, we've still got to escape. You were going to help me. And Kayla's like, just leave us, uh, leave us alone and says, I should have let you die. At this point, Rose screams, you said friends stick together, just like Sammy was saying before. <laughs> and then runs off screaming, like runs off going like, ah, ah, <laughs> ah. Seems ill-advised. Kayla, Very bird-like, though. So at this point, Kayla leaves, makes it to the border, and cuts her eye out to escape. And they again, they spend probably a minute on this scene. Like they don't, they don't <coughs> let us go. They're, they're like, no, it would be very hard. I don't think I could cut my eye out, even after going through all of this. I really, I don't. I, I think, think I'd be faint. Maddie here. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think you'd pass out. Even if you. That'd be really. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Ugh. Uh, she tears off a squeal light and takes it with her night falls the camera cuts to all the corpses and rose who is still alive and then the 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 screen transitions to we're not the movie now we're the screen seeing seeing rose and there's an even though this is an australian film for some reason it needs to be an english voice to be spooky (laughs) and it's like uh prepare winner for next match so and you would think that's the end, right? But that is not the end. Okay. So we then cut to a guy in a fancy home who's watching that face kill with a VR headset. But just as we're about to see the face come off for a second time, it glitches. He throws the headset off and he calls up like customer support. <laughs> and he's basically like, these replays are bullshit. And again, he's in Australia, like it's, this, it's an Australian voice. So it's like, this is all happening in Australia. And there's a voice on the phone that's like, as a founding member... You are entitled to bonus material. And, we, and you know, there, there's a moment where he's basically on tech support being like, hey, I'm trying to watch these people get killed and the experience is bad. 
At this point, Kayla appears. She's wearing dark glasses and she tases him. She grabs the headset and she knows his name. She's like, Derek, who gave you this? And he tries to bargain with her. She says, you own the company. You can't play dumb. He's like, I own a lot of companies. And, he's, and she's like, well, you've got to be more careful. And I should explain, he's now tied up naked in a chair in his lounge room. He's like, I tried to cancel my membership and you can't. Like, like once you're in, you're in. She's like, I don't care. I want names. He's like, well, Mike Fallon, he's in my phone. He knows all the other founding members. Kayla then asks Maddie, who's now a ghost, if she should believe. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, 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 This is unnecessary is what this is. This is so unnecessary. <laughs> Sorry. She's like, should we believe him? Maddie doesn't really say anything. She does the palm thing again. So this is like the next <laughs> little palm. So she also writes something in the palm. But again, we don't know what, what it is. <laughs> yeah, and it's a ghost writing in a palm now. Like, what the <laughs> hell? is here? She's hallucinating the ghost yeah 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 she is right because okay. he's like who are you talking to what are you what are you bloody talking about this is bloody crazy <laughs> so anyway so he's like his final bargaining chip is no one has to know you're still alive but because she tore out her eye the system thinks she's dead and she's like oh they'll find out soon enough cut to black we hear him getting tortured and that is the end of the furies she's out for revenge M, Pete, what did you think? Um, <laughs> I'm interested. I'm, I, I, I feel like, like I agree with what you said at the top, Shag, that like it, this could have been really cool. I, I, I'm like interested in what this filmmaker intended to say with this yeah. movie. The, I don't yeah. know that that it was said, but I would like to know what the intention was because I feel like there was a lot there that maybe didn't make it, didn't come across. Yeah. It feels like a, a strong first draft, like getting back to my yeah, early criticism friends. that <laughs> friends, friendship. I, I think the villain is loneliness in this film. That's the real. That's the real villain. Um, there's something here, and and also I should say I do think it takes courage to not end on a cliffhanger. I think it takes courage if you're telling a particularly like a weird horror story to sit down and be like, oh, the entire thing is it's a group of blokes who started a company that is VR watching people murdering each other. Like, I think it's always too easy to be like, we never found out what was going on. So I admire having a crack at going and <laughs> explaining that. Uh, um, to but to Em's a... point, though, because I do think it was trying to say something. Sam, do you have any I, idea I have what no, you that think was he was trying exactly to say? Exactly, my feeling at the end was like, okay, like for what? Like, yeah, it's like it was basically just like he's like, here's some some scenes that would be crazy, and what is, <laughs> yeah, what is the message here? There's, it, I think there just isn't. I mean, I think yeah, there's like no the deeper meaning. I guess. They said the thing about the patriarch at the beginning, but then it's like the murderers who have to protect a woman. What's their story pre-entering this game? And like, did they, are, what context are they given about how, like, are they just murderers? Oh, one more point. One more point. Actually, it does say if you try to get out of it, you are subject to forced participation. <sighs> So potentially the guys they watching. were people who were watching it who are now part of the game. Mm. Yeah, okay. So that's why they're willing to, mm -hmm. to kill because they're like, I get what this is. 
The patriarchal element, I think, is um, something that I always want to see embraced more in films because um, there are a few scarier and more oppressive things. But I feel like mentioning it is a useful, constructive thing to do and and, and portraying a strong female character, fighting the identifying and fighting the patriarchy is a constructive thing to do. But then for the entire like moving part for all the gears of your film to be beauty and the beast, beauty and the beast, beauty and the beast, small cowering women versus big scary men, like sort of really undermines whatever clumsy narrative point that our presumably reasonably well-intentioned friendless <laughs> filmmaker um, was was a, like was attempting to make. I, I think there is something there that that could have been approached and just. Yeah, it's it's disappointing that someone who would appear to be reasonably well intentioned was sort of let down by their own uh, lack of competence and lack of friends. Oh, well, you know, hey, we wish this filmmaker the best. We wish him friends. Um, yes, I I appreciate. If anyone would like to make friends with him, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's clearly got some space. Yeah, in I don't his know that we diary. have a lot in common. Um, me and this filmmaker, um, but I, I think we can all agree I that wish we him all the best. we all hate the patriarchy. That's something we, we all hate. That's yeah. true. So maybe there's more in common than we yes. than we would think. So if we were going to end off this week with scary voices, um, I think Shag and I have just the scariest voices. I have as sort of the voices of white male, uh, heteronormative, cisgendered, able-bodied, reasonably well-educated, privileged. So we're already scary enough, <laughs> I think, but. Sammy and M, did you have any scary voices this week? Does anyone want to do a Birdman impression? I was thinking. Birdman. I feel like you might, you seem to know the most about Birdman, Bird- how many Rolexes he has. Uh, but, yeah, like Birdman's Lil Wayne's boss. Like he's the, he's the guy who runs cash money, cash money records. And there's no way I'm going to do an impression of Birdman. He, he sort of has a really constricted sort of, sort of voice. The last time I heard him do a voice was on that, do a verse was on, whatever that 2011 Drake record that he won a Grammy for was. So I've got no Birdman yeah, no impressions Birdman. for you, just the no scariest voice of all. Um, there's no a lot Birdman. of grunting in this in this movie. They All the beasts just go... I've got a thought. Should we all just end this? I mean, you can't... Mm. I mean, this is probably the worst thing to do on a pod, but, like, should we all just scarily tilt our heads to the side? <laughs> mm-hmm. Listeners, mm. you'll know that it's happening. You'll know. Just, you'll feel it. You'll <laughs> feel it. Picture it. You'll feel it. So from, from all of us here at Spooko and Too Scary Didn't Watch, just sort of feel, feel what this is. Goodbye. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? <laughs>